Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 22, the season finale, Full Circle. Yay! Yeah, desperate please, measures? Please, yeah, yeah I, things do get pretty desperate in this one, yes. Yep. Please, please pardon my voice, I'm going through a bit of a cold right now. Um, so if I sound a little weird, that's why. You should auto-tune yourself later. I don't really know how to do that, and I don't know if I want to listen to myself closely enough to have to do that. (laughs) It could have been fun. I could have been talking to a robot today. Yeah, that could be interesting, but no. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. All right. Until then, stick Carrie. Okay, yes. All right, should we get into it? We should. Okay, so this is a full circle. It originally aired on March 21st, 2003. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. And on the commentary, we have Martin Wood and director of photography, Jim Menard. And in this episode, SG-1 is called to defend the people of Abydos from the Gould once again when they learn that Anubis, in search of a powerful device, is about to attack. This episode made me have so many more questions about the supposed ancients. Okay. Because it just, I have so many questions. Well, we do, you know, season seven's coming where we get Mm -hmm. a lot more information about them. Yep. Which which is good because I needed that after watching this. I was like, so much of this does not make sense. Yes. So one of the things Martin talked about in the commentary is at the time they wrote and and filmed at least most of it. They didn't yet know if they were going to get a season seven. So this was written to be a series finale with then the option for like a movie to wrap up any of the little dangling threads that were left and answer some of the questions that got brought up in this episode. But as we know, luckily they did get a season seven. And so a lot of those storylines got a lot more time than just like a two hour made for TV movie kind of thing. Yay. I look forward to that. Let's skip to that one. Can we just, yeah. <laughs> Let's just um, watch this. Okay. So this episode starts on Abydos, where we see Scar running through the village, and he enters a tent of the village elders, and they're all gathered because Anubis is coming. He's searching for something on Abydos, and it will be very bad news if he gets it. Kasuf is taking the women and children to hide in the caves, and Scar must gather all of those willing to fight. And Scar is like, all of those willing to die. And then, then Daniel speaks up and says, those who won't fail. Because Daniel's there in the tent in his Abaddonian robes looking glorious. And it's fantastic. And So apparently he can change his outfit. Apparently, yes, he can, depending on who and, he's talking to. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so Daniel will make sure that the Abaddonians are not alone in this fight that's coming against Anubis. As we cut to the opening credits. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. I love the one of the one of the other things they talk about uh, in this episode is that the starting with Orlin way back in season four with the episode Ascension that Sean Patrick Flannery, you know, who's kind of in love with Sam, mm-hmm. like ascended beings just like appear. There's no like special effect. There's no magic. They're just not there. And then they're there. And just all the various sort of camera trickery they do to do that. Because it's all practical. It's just like whoever the ascended being is hiding 
off camera and then the camera pans they just run into place and the camera pans back and oh there they are like there's no cg to like erase him out of the scene or anything he's just off to the side a little bit and i always like when they get to do that and then there he is i tried to uh pay attention to whether or not he touches physical things or if things touch him to see whether or not he was still just kind of a hologram visual person or like actually solid um i didn't really get very far but i tried to kind of pay it yeah i didn't get very far in (laughs) he doesn't really touch a lot he does like lean against the elevator wall though Mm -hmm. which that's interesting yeah. He's also standing on the floor, so. Well, yeah, there's there's, there's that whole thing. worms in that, but yes. <laughs> well, I mean that could be where he's theoretically floating, right, or something, but. Yeah, it's not like he's a ghost. He's abiding by ghost rules. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, so we come back from the credits and we're at the SGC where we see Jack get into the elevator, which starts to move, and then it like stops. And the lights flicker, and he tries the phone, but that doesn't seem to be working either, because this is all Daniel's fault, because Daniel's there now with Jack. I love this conversation so much. Oh my god, me too, because, like, (laughs) this is a conversation we would have. Like, especially, like, when... I'll get to it in a little bit. I'll point it out. But I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is how friends talk and have conversations with each other. (laughs) This is how that works. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so he's come to tell Jack that Abydos is in trouble from Anubis. He's after the Eye of Ra and shows Jack like the pendant that Catherine had given him before the very first Abydos mission. Be like, you know, this thing that looks like this. And he's going to combine it with five other eyes that the other super important system lords had in their possession. And using all six together would make Anubis super duper powerful. So I looked into the Eye of Ra to see if it was an actual, like, thing, like an artifact or something. And I mm-hmm. found something very interesting. Did you? I did. My, so, you tell. So the Eye of Ra is actually a being, like a like a person or a personification, in ancient Egyptian mythology that functions as the feminine counterpart to Ra and a violent force that subdues his enemies. The eye is an extension of, like, Ra's power, and it's equated with, like, the disk of the sun, because Ra's the sun god, but it often behaves as an independent goddess who could be somebody like Hathor, Sekhmet, Bastet, Rayat Tawi, or Mutt. Uh, the eye's violent aspect defends Ra against the agents of disorder that threaten his rule. The dangerous aspect of the eye goddess is often represented by a lioness or cobra, snake, heh <laughs> Uh, which was a symbol of protection and royal authority. The Eye of Ra was involved in many areas of ancient Egyptian religion, including cults of many of the goddesses who were created with it. Its life-giving power was celebrated in temple rituals, and its dangerous aspect was invoked in the protection of the pharaoh, sacred places, and of ordinary people and their homes. Ew, interesting. So yeah, the eye's, the eye's not a thing. The eye's a person. I kind of like that idea better. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait, so this is the part of the conversation that, or wait, no, not this one, a little bit. So Jack just turns around and like, hey, hi, how you doing? How you been? How's this ended life going? To which Daniel kind of is like, okay, fine, all right, fine. Yes, hi, how are you? How's your back? They banter. And then this is the part where Jack starts telling the story about his friend. I'm like, I have had this conversation with friends. <laughs> you know what story I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. And so Jack 
starts telling Daniel about this friend he had, real good pal who just like went off suddenly and then shows up out of nowhere asking for his help. But the funny thing is this friend is now an all powerful being, but apparently can't do anything about the horrible situation himself. And Daniel again tries to tell Jack that he can't do anything. He's already like pushing it with following Oma and helping others ascend. No, Ascension doesn't make him all powerful and all knowing. It's just the start of something new. And if he gets involved any more than he already is, Oma would step in and stop him just so the others don't go after her. And Daniel can't risk that happening. I thought it was a very interesting thing when Jack asked, have you met any of these others? And Daniel said, no. Like, what has he been doing this whole time? Has he just been going around with Oma and and her groupies, like, helping people ascend, I guess? I don't. It's weird. It seems like Daniel would have way more questions, right? Of, like, who am I? What is this? What are we doing now? Like, I would have so many questions myself. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I know. It was very it was a very strange conversation how Daniel's just like, I don't know. I'm just going along with the, pl- with the, with the flow, with the plan. Yeah. I don't. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack then is up in the briefing room telling everybody what he's learned, and he knows that they're no match for Anubis, but the Abaddonians will be on their side for sure. And Hammond's like, where did you get this intel? And Jack's like, oh, I, d- I, didn't, I didn't tell you. Um, it, 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 Daniel told me. And everybody's just kind of like, oh, my God, you saw Daniel? And, like, do you have anything? How is he? Like, but, like, the cool thing is they all just immediately believe him when he says that he saw Daniel, and Daniel told him this information. That's great. Do you think um, people would have believed him if Jonas was the one that was like, I saw Dr. Jackson? <laughs> uh, after last week, I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but that's why Daniel chose Jack. Yeah. Uh, Tilk adds that he also saw Daniel, which leads to the whole, why didn't you say something? Well, why didn't you say something? And Jack's like, because I wasn't sure if it was actually real the first time. But anyway... Jonas asks if Daniel mentioned where the eye was hidden, and Daniel doesn't know, which everybody's kind of like, what do you mean he doesn't know? It's like, where he doesn't know. I know, um, right? Mm-hmm. But Hammond is willing to apparently take, like, Daniel slash Jack's word for it, so this mission is a go. So what I think, what I really, really wanted to happen in this scene was where Hammond asked, like, where'd you get this information? And finally, Jack was like, Daniel told me and then Teal comes up and is like actually I've also seen Daniel I wanted everybody else in the room to then be like actually I've seen him too he came to me we were chatting <laughs> he just wanted to say hi and like everybody starts to t- even though we didn't ever see it on camera I really wanted everyone else to be like I've seen him too he came to say hi and let me know he was okay <laughs> yeah that would have been I just cute, thought it would have been a good topper on the yeah on the scene yes yeah so SG-1 arrive on Abydos without any backup. Like, you're Surprise. expecting Anubis and only SG-1 goes. Like, really? 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 Come on. Yes. It's Anubis. Yep. You're sending one four-man team? Well, I, mm, no, I don't yep. buy that at all. I'm sorry. I don't. So we see, like, there's some Abaddonians there, like, offloading equipment from, like, the Freds and Malps that have been sent, and Scar is there to greet them. And Jonas introduces himself, and then Jack orders Tilk to go set up a perimeter to keep an eye out for Anubis, and then asks Skara where the eye might be. So he leads them down to catacombs, and it's just this, like, large room with writing all over the walls. The set is 
really cool, and it is really just mostly lit by the fires that they light as they enter the room. Like yeah. Jim Menard was talking about, there's like a little bit of added light sort of like on like the columns and stuff, but most of the light in that room is just the fires, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. So all the writings on the wall talk about the Eye of Ra, but the Eye itself doesn't seem to be there in that room, and Jack's like, this isn't like an actual eye, right? Like, it's not like Ra's actual physical eye. It's like, no, no, Jack, no, no. Um, up in orbit, Anubis's supermassive Gould mothership drops out to fight for space. Uh, outside the pyramid, Tilk and several of the Abaddonians have the perimeter set up and are waiting for something. Back inside the pyramid, Jack asks if Scar is seeing anyone, and it turns out that Scar is engaged. Yay! And he wants Jack to be his best man. Yay! And then Scar asks if Jack is coming alone. And Sam's like, and Jack's like, well, Carter's invited too, right? So they would come together as friends who go to weddings together, and this is super awkward, and I hate it. Can we please yeah, stop? Because it's ha- it's exactly what we talked about before is they never ever act like they like each other that way until it's written into the script that they like each other that way. Yes. Just, it makes no sense to have it there. No. 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 Not for me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, outside, one of the Abaddonians who's with Tilk uh, seems to have something he wants to ask. And apparently he wants to know what Skara told him about. Or he, he he asked Tilk stuff about Daniel that, like, Skara had told him about Daniel. And so Tilk clarifies, no, Daniel's not a god. It's still unclear as to how powerful he actually is. And then the Abaddonian says that Skara told him that Daniel had helped free them from Ra, and Daniel will be there now to watch over their families as they fight in his name. And this seems to concern Tilk, because what exactly were these people promised by Daniel? Or what were they told Daniel promised them? Yeah. I I liked I liked how Tilk handled the conversation though in his yeah. Tilk sort of way of like I heard he's very powerful that remains unseen or like just, yeah <laughs> the Tilkisms were awesome in this yes. in this context yeah but you know whatever it is uh, he best be prepared to die because Nubis is here and there's like Alkesh and a bunch of gliders flying overhead now so it is on it's go time. Jack goes to check on how Jonas is doing with translating the writing on the wall. And there's just nothing. There's talk about like how powerful Ra is, the size of Ra's domain. And Jack's like, was it a big domain? Ha ha, ha ha ha. We know what you're talking about. Um, But nothing about a secret chamber where something like the Eye of Ra would be kept. Up on the surface, the bombing has begun. Tilk and everyone up there are fighting back, but just to, they're not making any dent at all. Like, not even the rocket launcher is doing anything. Tilk radios to Jack that they're in trouble and won't be able to hold them off for long. Jonas still has nothing. If Daniel was there, maybe. And Jack's just like, oh, he's here. He's here. And, like, starts basically calling out Daniel, who does finally appear in the catacombs. He swears the Ira is here. Everyone's super excited to see him, except maybe Jack, who's just annoyed that he won't do anything. Daniel reminds him that he can't. Jack doesn't care. Either Daniel does something or they're gone. And Daniel's like, remember that fine line I told you about? And Jack just goes, cross it, which, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yep, that was a good one. So 
<sighs> okay, fine. Daniel walks through. There's sort of this, like, smaller room at, like, the back of the catacombs where it talks about how Ra got his power from the sun. And Daniel always thought this had to be where the secret chamber was. Tilk calls over the radio that they can't hold their position. So Jack tells him to fall back to the pyramid. He and Scar are going to go help while Sam, Jonas, and Daniel keep working on trying to figure out the secret chamber thing. So Tilk starts yelling for everybody to fall back. A glider comes near. Tilk manages to fire his grenade launcher and the glider explodes as it hits the ground. We see two Abaddonians fall, but Tilk manages to keep running. Uh, Sam asks Daniel if he can't just like zap himself to the other side of the wall to see if there really is a secret chamber there. And he's like, not so much. I kind of get the feeling Daniel's trying to sort of skirt this line by doing what he would do if he was still alive. Like he's not using whatever powers he might have. He's just using his brain and intellect that human alive Daniel had to help them with this problem. That's a good way to look at it, I think, yeah. Yeah. So Jonas starts talking about some kind of trigger for a secret door. Like, Like there's this like red jewel in the wall and something about the rays of the sun, but like there's no sunlight down there. So like try a flashlight and he aims the flashlight at a jewel, but that doesn't work. So Sam suggests maybe focusing it. So great idea. He goes to grab a magnifying glass from his pack and Daniel's like, is that my stuff? And Jonas is kind of like, you, you weren't using it anymore. <laughs> I like, like the, those kind of quips in this episode are really yeah. good. Yeah. And Daniel's like, yeah, I mean, go, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack and Scara head back upstairs and meet Tilk and everyone at the entrance to the gate room. And we also see this like massive squad of Jaffa running over the hill. Jack asks how many there are and Tilk is just like many because there's there's no word for the number of Jaffa that are now on this planet. Mm-hmm. And so he radios back down to Sam and they're still working on it. And Jack's like, work faster. So back down with the other three, like it's still not working with like focusing the light. And Jonas is like, I know we were on to something like this has to be the trigger. And then Daniel notices something on the walls. The rays of light are red. So Sam. Yep. So she steps up, turns on the laser sight of her P90, aims it at the jewel. That was it. The door opens. They head in. And it's just this like massive treasure room full of treasure and jewels and gold and all kinds of really awesome stuff. So how would they have accomplished the red light without her without her focus, like her gun ray beam. What am I thinking of? Laser? Laser. Yes. <laughs> we'll get there like, eventually together. Yeah. Do you mean like just if Sam wasn't there with a gunner, do you mean like back way back when? How the yeah. the people who lived there? Um I well they're ghoul. They have all kinds of stuff they could do. You, so they would have had like a ghoul laser pointer? Sure, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Or maybe, you know, some kind of light emitting thing that then that passes through a red jewel before it hits that red jewel to turn it red. Maybe. I'm going to go with gold laser pointer. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, got it. You know, Egyptians like cats. You know, cats like laser pointers, so. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. All <laughs> works. Yes. Uh, so we now see, like, Jaffa just flooding into the gate room of the pyramid. There's a massive firefight going on between everybody. We also get Jaffa ringing down from the ship. It's chaos. There's bullets, staff blasts everywhere. Scar gets hit. Jack heads to check on him. And he like, he like took a full blast, like right to like the stomach. So this is, that's a bad hit. Not good. No, No, it's not. 
<laughs> Martin Wood commented, every time we bring him back, we kill him. It's like, yes, you do. He's This is like the fourth time he's Scar has died, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Poor guy. Yeah. So Sam, Jonas, and Daniel are poking around the hidden chamber, and Daniel's staring at this tablet. Turns out he is an ancient. Well, like not him specifically, but all of the other ascended beings, they're the ancients. Uh, so apparently what the tablet says, uh, according to Daniel, it says that it says that the ancients evolved from a race of humans that lived long before us. They were wiped out by a plague that was sweeping across the galaxy that many learned to and that many learned to ascend and then the rest died out. So that's real big news because that's not something we knew before. And I kind of forgot we didn't know that because, you know, after this, we know it. Yeah. So. You know, I kind of forgot we didn't know the ancients were the ascended ones. <laughs> but yeah, just in case you hadn't figured it out, here it is laid out in black and white. The ascended beings are the ancients. I thought that too of like, didn't we know this like the whole time? But no, we did Maybe, not, apparently. Uh, apparently not, no. Um, and then he's like, I gotta go. Don't lose that tablet. It talks about an ancient city that was lost that has a whole bunch of stuff in it. And he'll be back. And then zips off in the flash of light. So, yeah, and, so it's, you were commenting before how you really enjoyed how they just kind of appear using, yes. you know, regular tricks, but they exit in a very yes. dramatic beam of light. Yes, yes. that, that was on purpose. Important part. Yeah. Yes. Leaving, leaving is the flash of light, but appearing is just like, hi, I'm here now. Uh, back up in the gate room now, the gate is active, like Anubis is dialed in. So that that's that's awesome. Things, no. are, things are going great up there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Jonas and Sam are still poking around and they're not finding it. It's not here. So Sam suggests maybe there's a hidden compartment in the hidden chamber because why not? So Jonas starts tapping on the walls and he finally gets to one section that sounds a bit hollow. Found it. Like sweeps some stuff out of the way. There doesn't seem to be any like latch or switch or any way to open it like there was the door to this place. So Sam's just like, I got it. Pulls out her P90, puts on the safety goggles and just blasts it open with her gun and there there it is the eye of Ra. it's this like large red jewel in the middle surrounded by like a gold or metallic ring of some kind there's like you know writing and etchings on it and as they start to head out jonas grabs the tablet sam radios that they got it but it's too late jack tilk and scar come back down to meet them so apparently Everybody else is dead or pinned down somewhere. Uh, Anubis has dialed in. There's no way for them to get out with all the Jaffa that are there. Jack's like, where's the eye? Jonas is like, here it is. So Jack takes it and attaches a giant block of C4 to it. Dramatic, I would say. Well, that's Jack. Yes. Mm -hmm. We get a bunch of Jaffa now coming down into the catacombs with Harak who we last saw this guy in The Other Guys as the Jaffa who killed Kansu, who was actually a toker in the sky as a Gould. Remember that? The Other Guys with Felger and yeah, Combs. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, Harak has gotten promoted to Nervous's first prime. Mm -hmm. So, good for him. Uh, there's a bit of a standoff between him and Jack, as per usual. We get the whole surrender or die. I was going to say that, because yeah, it's Jack. That's what he does. Uh Somebody fires a staff weapon as like a warning. Jack threatens to blow up the eye if they don't let them leave through the gate. So fine. Hrock will go talk to his boss. So he leaves, but basically all the Jaffa stay there. And as the camera pulls back, Jonas just goes, is it really necessary to further antagonize him? Yes. 
Yes, it is. That's what Jack does. He antagonizes the bad guys. Yep. Um, and yes, he really would have blown up the eye. Tilk then calls Jack over. Scar is very injured, not doing well. And Scar's like, I have failed you. And Jack's like, it's fine. No, no, you didn't. It's all good. It's fine. Harak goes to speak with Anubis and tells him what Jack threatened. And Anubis says that Jack will give him the eye or he will destroy Abydos. So time to like just exchange threats back and forth. Yep. That's what you do. Various people will die. Yep. As Harak leaves, Daniel appears, like, you won't touch Abydos and blah, blah, blah. And Anubis takes it all as empty threats because he knows Daniel can't really do anything. Daniel still threatens to wipe him from existence, except that Daniel doesn't know who Anubis truly is. And he suddenly starts glowing. Turns out Anubis is also an ascended being. (gasps) What? What? Yes. Uh, Harak. We knew that already. We knew no, that we already. No, we didn't. But we do. We do. I mean, we do because we have seen this episode before. But if you had not seen this episode before you watched this episode, you would not know that Anubis <gasps> was an ascended being. <gasps> Dramatic. Okay. Yes. So Harak heads back down to the catacombs and tells Jack about Anubis's threat. Jack tries to call his bluff. Even if they give him the eye, he'll still destroy Abydos. Anyway, Jonas tries to stay positive, and maybe he won't. And Jack's just like, he's a ghouled Jonas. Like, he's not going to do the right thing. They don't do that. That's not what they do. Um, Scar starts, like, shaking and mumbling in Abedonian, and, like, Tilt calls Jack over, and he starts translating. So Tilt says he speaks of a bright light, of giving up, of releasing something. And then Skara dies. But then he transforms into a bright, blinding light and floats up and away through the ceiling. Yay! He ascended! Yay! It looked easy! Yes! He made it look so easy. Just, okay, I'm ready now. And done. Yep. Uh, The Jaffa that are out in the catacombs look a little startled and confused by what's happening, but everybody else in there just kind of looks on in awe because SG-1 knows what this is. Back on Anubis's ship, he and Daniel are still facing off, but then a massive fleet of ghouled motherships drops out of hyperspace. Maybe Daniel won't actually have to do anything himself because uh, Lord Yu... Me? You. Why you? Lord Yu. Me? Not not, not you. You. No. You. You. You? You. Me. No. Nah, I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> it's Lord Yu, and he's finally managed to rally all the other system lords against Anubis, and either Anubis hands over the eye or he will be destroyed. Yu then signs off. Daniel threatens to just tell the others that he doesn't have the eye and he'll just take him out right now. Then, for some reason... Daniel says he'll deliver the eye to Anubis as long as he promises to leave the people of Abydos alone, which Anubis agrees to. Which was weird. This is very weird. Even Martin on the commentary was like, I don't understand this. Why Daniel is doing this. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand either. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Daniel finally appears back down in the secret chamber, you know, busy, busy. And Jack thanks him for Scara, but Daniel has no idea what he's talking about. He kind of closes his eyes and concentrates. It's like, oh, Oma's here, but he doesn't care. So, info dump time. Um, Anubis is an ascended being. 
he figured out how to ascend, but the others didn't want him. So they tried to kick him out, but it didn't like fully work. So he's kind of stuck somewhere between ascended and like human physical body. And that helps explain why Anubis is so proficient with ancient technology. Oh, also, the other ascended beings are the ancients. No, Sam didn't get around to telling Jack that they've been a little busy, Daniel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Jack's like, okay, just, all right, what's, what's the bottom line here? So the bottom line is that Anubis is surrounded by a fleet of ghoul motherships. They know what the eye is and what it does. So Daniel then tells Jack to hand over the eye. Jack is like, no. That's stupid. Why would I do that? But no, it's fine. So apparently Daniel's plan is Anubis is going to get the eye. He's going to leave Abydos alone. Let SG-1 head back to Earth. And when they get there, they'll start searching for the lost city of the ancients. And no, Sam didn't get around to telling Jack about that either. Sorry, Daniel. They've been a little busy trying not to die. Uh, (laughs) Daniel doesn't know where that is, but he'll help them find it. And Daniel's going to go see if he can kick Anubis's ass. But he's certain that Abydos will be safe. Okay. You say so. Mm-hmm. Seems weird. So apparently this this is the plan they're going with. Jack heads out of the chamber, hands off the eye to Harak. And as much as he would love to kill SG-1, he knows he can't. So eventually the, the Jaffa leave and Jack's like, well, spank me, Rosie. Which was an ad lib by Richard Dean Anderson because there's no way that would ever be written in the script. But there we go. <laughs> uh, and they, they, they head out. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, things are going okay at this point somehow. I don't know why. Um, Harak goes to hand the eye off to Anubis. He takes the jewel from the middle of the eye, puts it somewhere. I don't know why we don't see where it goes. Like, the camera follows Harak for some reason. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, okay, where where did it go? What does it do? Like, where, where are the other eyes? Like, Are they all red? We don't know. I don't know. We don't know. No. Um, we then sort of cut to space where we see Anubis's ship transforming and it's, it's very cool. Like this is, this is awesome CG special effects. Like it's like, oh, that's a cool ship. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll have to see if that needs approval for spaceship design. Oh, yes. And yes, you must ask Adam if that mm-hmm. needs yeah. his approval. Um, yeah. So his weapon is now fully powered, but then you comes back on like the little, you know, communication screens like you're out of time and Anubis basically laughs him off powers up the weapon starts firing on all of the motherships at once they fire back but Anubis's shields just absorb every blast they send his way and we see various motherships exploding as they get hit by whatever energy beam Anubis is sending out it was a pretty badass battle scene that it was yes yeah SG-1 are up in the Abydos skate room apparently Jonas had poked his head outside and can apparently hear the battle that's going on up in space somehow okay sure um and then we see on the floor just lots of empty clothes from all of the other abedonians who apparently also ascended free stuff yay (laughs) (laughs) okay that was easy awesome um up in space the other motherships are retreating and anubis will now destroy abydos Sam dials the DHD so they can head back to Earth. Anubis pushes the button to activate his weapon on Abydos. Or, well, he likes raises his hand to go push the button, and Daniel appears and is like, "Stop! Don't do that!" And Anubis just dares Daniel to stop him. So Daniel like raises his hands, and we see him like sort of creating like energy balls or something in his hand, 
raises them, sends like a blast of energy towards Anubis, but it's stopped as Anubis raises his arms. It gets blasted back. Daniel yells, no, don't do this, and gets like pulled away, and Harak is cowering in the corner. So one of the things that Martin talked about here is that he never liked uh, like Anubis's character design because Anubis doesn't have a face. And it's really important here because this is supposed to be Anubis being scared of Daniel. Like he doesn't raise his hands to deflect the blast. He raises his hands to protect himself from whatever Daniel's going to do. But you don't know that because he doesn't have a face. So mm-hmm. Anubis has no emotions if he does if he's not speaking. And that's very difficult for characters. True. Yeah. Sam, Jonas, and Tilk step through the gate. Harak is like, oh, Anubis, you are all powerful indeed. And Anubis says that whatever just happened with Daniel was not something that he did. Just So who did do that? No, oh, man, we don't know. We have suspicions. Yes. But what he is going to do is this and fires on the pyramid. And just before Jack steps through the gate, he turns, sees the energy beams bouncing around the gate room. Outside, the pyramid explodes. There's an energy blast that radiates outward, like just blasting sand up in the air. And they actually built a model and blew up like an actual model of the pyramid. So that's not CG. Like it's it's enhanced with CG, but they did do an actual physical explosion on a scale model of the pyramid. That's why it looks so cool. Yes. See, practical effects, people. Explosions. Practical, yes. Always so good. Uh, In the SGC... The wormhole fritzes as Jack finally steps through. The iris closes, and it kind of feels like the blast kind of came through the wormhole a bit and, like, rattles the gate room a bit. Jack tells them that Abydos was hit. Sam calls up to Sergeant Walter Norman Harriman Davis to start a full gate diagnostic. We follow her out of the gate room up into the control room, and there was indeed a massive energy blast that came through behind Jack, who orders then an immediate redial of Abydos. Hammond comes down to see what's going on. They bring him up to speed as Chevron 6 is encoded, but Chevron 7 will not lock. So let's head up to the briefing room. So it seems that Anubis did not keep his deal with Daniel. Surprise, surprise. Surprise! Yeah, I know. Jack is so shocked by that. Uh, Something must have happened to prevent Daniel from being able to stop Anubis, who now has a weapon that gives him a clear advantage over the other system lords. Jack tries to play it. Like, they don't know that for sure, and the only thing they really do know is that they need to find the city on the tablet. Jonas is sure he can translate it, and Daniel did also offer to help, too. And Sam's like, I don't know if we can count on Daniel anymore right now, because Daniel would have done whatever he could to prevent the destruction of Abydos. So, if he was stopped from doing that, then something must have happened to Daniel. Yes, very true. Very good point. Back in the control room, the gate is being dialed again, and Sam is going to make them dial Abydos until they took her ship flies where Abydos is and tells them it's not there anymore. And then Chevron 7 locks. <gasps> what? Uh, sometime later, Sam is reporting that a map shows the pyramid is still intact. What about that explosion? No idea. Jax wants to go check on everybody there and permission granted, so off they go. SG-1 step through the gate into the gate room on Abydos, and it's all fine somehow. Like, pyramids there. We even see, like, the map there from earlier. And they head towards the village. Everybody's there. Tents are there. We see Click Gids kicking the soccer ball around. Scar sees them. Heads over. Jack's like, 
what's going on? Anubis did destroy the pyramid and everybody died. And Jack's like, nobody looks dead. Well, yes. <laughs> and Skara says, death is only the beginning of one's journey. And they're all like, that sounds familiar. And Tilk's like, what about Daniel? They don't know. Oma is the one that did this for all of them. And, you know, they talk a bit, and then Skara wishes Jack well, but he won't see them again, at least not for a long time. A soccer ball rolls towards them. Jack bends down to pick it up, and the camera sort of pans down with him. Nasty stands back up. All of the people and the tents are gone. But Skara is still there, tells them that the gate will remain until they head back to Earth. As she turned to look at the gate, and when they turn back, Skara is now gone. So time to go home. So this was all just like a goodbye vision. Well, they did actually go to Abydos. So I don't know what it was. Something they were able to manifest Abydos back for a limited period of time to get closure for everybody. I don't. Yeah. I mean, now that you mentioned they didn't know if they were going to get another season. So they kind of wanted to do a pseudo wrap up ending of like, Ah, everybody says goodbye kind of a thing. Like, it makes sense, but for the story of this episode, it does not. Okay. It would have, I think it would have been a a better fit ending that they just couldn't lock back onto the planet. Like, ever again? Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, My final fun fact for this is that this episode won the Leo Award for Best Costume in a Dramatic Series for Christina McQuarrie. Best costume. Mm-hmm. No special effects. No, just best costume. I'm sure it was nominated, but yeah, costume is what won. Okay. I mean, those Abydos <laughs> draperies that they wear. I don't, my brain is not thinking of correct words today, so I'm coming up with the complete wrong words. <laughs> robes? Do you mean That's robes? <laughs> draperies, robes, you know, the drapings that you wear on your parts with the body and the stuff and the... you know the taupe colors and the things that (laughs) i mean they are very drapey robes so um okay so the title full circle where do you think this phrase the phrase like full circle as is like to come full circle comes from who coined it oh my god history wise yeah yeah circle i feel like it's a sherlock holmes thing (gasps) it's my man shakespeare okay Yes, uh, King Lear, Act 5, Scene 3, referring to the mythical goddess Fortuna who turns the Wheel of Fortune, and the quote is, the wheel has come full circle. And so since then, it's sort of evolved to mean events where, like, the end is the beginning in some fashion. So, yeah, I think this is, like, referring to, like, we started on Abydos, we're, like, ending on Abydos. Yeah, yeah, usually you hear it in, in context where the ending is in the same place as the beginning. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. We do have quite a few fun foreign territory titles this week. We do! We do! No, uh, no one went with Scara Dies Again? No, luckily no. <laughs> Death of Scara Part 4. <laughs> okay. Um, so in German, it was called The Circle is Closing. Okay. Also in Czech and Hungarian. So German, Czech, and Hungarian were all The Circle is Closing. Okay is interesting in polish it was beginning and end or full circle like okay it, it had two titles weird in french it was called pact with the devil okay Which and then end up working? 
No. And then in Spanish, it was called starting point. Oh, okay. So what do we think of full circle? It's come back around. So I did not remember that the storyline of Jonas Quinn actually made it all the way to the end. It did, yes. I I had only thought he was in this season. Like, they started and closed him out in this season. Didn't remember that he is still a part of the team at this point. Yes. I mean, he bas- he, he goes back a little at, like, the beginning of next season. So. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I thought it would all. I thought his storyline came full circle in this way. Not quite. A couple more episodes. Yeah. With Jonas. So. I like this one. I think this is a good, it's a good finale. It ties up a lot of stuff, but it does leave, you know, some doors open. Like, what's this tablet? What's the city of the ancients? If the, you know, they were to get a season seven or a movie or something. Um, But it doesn't leave everything open. And it sort of closes off the Abydos storyline in a rather tragic way. But, you know, to move forward, you do have to sort of leave some things behind. And, you know. That's been a while, so now we're, like, sort of moving on into sort of, like, the next generation of Stargate stories, if you will, from here. Yeah. Yes. I feel like they've done kind of multiple saying goodbyes to Abydos, though. So it's always good to see it, but I kind of feel like they had moved on from that. Pretty much every time they say goodbye to a character, it's saying goodbye to Abydos. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But this time it's for really reals. Because they're all dead. Because everybody's dead and the planet was exploded, so. There's there's no one left, literally. No. They, <laughs> they were like, there's no way we're bringing this back ever. Nope. This is done and dusted. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on threads and Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, you can find the link in the show notes or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we'll see you next time for our season six wrap up episode. Yay. Bye.